So, uh, if you got your Bibles this morning, go to the book of Acts. Acts. Oops. All right. Um, by the way, we have a lot of other things happening here at Crown Point Church. Make sure you pick up one of these bulletins and just be involved. What a great way to get to know your church family here at Crown Point if you're involved. I mean, it's easy to show up on a Sunday and blend into the crowd, but if you want to make some friends, get involved. What a great way to meet some people. So before we get into this, do not miss next week. Next week is going to be really awesome, probably more awesomer, if that's a word, than today. Pastor Nick is preaching next week. It's going to be really cool. You don't want to miss that. Here's what I want you to do. Look at the person right next to you. Say, you look fantastic today. Now look at the other person on the other side, the person you didn't look at the first time. Say, you look okay too. All right. So there are a couple of things. Um, By the way, before I get started, um, can I declare a Chiefs win today? Can I do that? We need this, right? This would all help our souls. Thank God we're Chiefs and we're not Dolphins, right? Okay, just checking. I thought I'd get some amens there, but um, there are a couple things that you are never ready for in life. A couple of things that you're never ready for. One thing is marriage. You're never, if you say you are, you're never more not ready for marriage. Like the only thing that could prepare you for marriage is marriage. Like dating doesn't prepare being uh, what's the, the, uh, engaged doesn't prepare you for marriage. Marriage is the only thing that prepares you for marriage. Like I dated Kristen for three years. I was like, oh, this is easy. I could do, this is no problem. We move in, we get married first, and then we move in together. And I'm like, where's my mom? You know what I'm saying? Mom. And as awesome as Kristen was, nothing prepares you for marriage like marriage. The other second thing that can never, you can never just prepare for is being a parent. You can't, it's, it's like being a parent, especially for the first time. I mean, like producing humans and bringing them into the world. Um, it's, it's, we've done this three times now. And when I say we, I mean, my wife has, and, and I'll never forget the day our firstborn uh, Jackson, I never forget the day he was born. It, it was it was amazing. It's, it's and if you know Jackson, like he's one of the coolest kids. Like he's got cool factor for days. Um, but it was not cool how he came into the earth. Um, Jackson was supposed to be our plan was like he's going to be born naturally, and that was our plan. And and we were all excited, ready for this. Like, and all of a sudden, Doctor Bob walks in. Dr. Bob, he was like six foot 11. He was a giant. He was a massive man. And uh, like crazy thing, like a week before Jackson was born, like he had to get part of his leg amputated. And like he was there for Jackson being born. Like he's a monster of a man. Anyways, Dr. Bob walks in and he's like, I'm sorry, your baby's breached. We're going to have to do a C-section. Like we were not prepared for this. Like, and so they started pumping Kristen, like, full of fluids, full of water. And she's like, as she was already awesomely cute. Um, 
But then her feet started looking like potatoes with like little nubs sticking out on the end, like filling her up with fluids and water. And it was, I was not prepared for this. Uh, it was the weird. So we go in there and like, long story short, the whole process freaked me out. But the coolest thing I'll never forget, the coolest thing is we were, because C-section, you know, we were behind this curtain thing. And, and you hear him cry or scream for the first time. And we're both looking at each other and we're like, like I cried like a baby. Like it was the most awesome moment. So um, since he was born C-section, we had to stay in the hospital a lot longer than people who have a natural birth. And, and the cool thing is nurses help us out. They help us. If we have any nurses in this room, thank you. Thank you, nurses. You help us out. So, he was, and so they help us out and like they would keep the baby at night. And, and it became, honestly, pretty convenient. Like, it was nice. I, I, I started thinking, like, this could work long-term. Like, you just let me know when he starts talking. Oh, we'll come and visit and hang out. And, like, and, and like you know what I mean? Like, I was not prepared for this. So I'm just saying, like, nurses really know what they're doing. They are doing. So they, they know what to do with humans. Like, I have never done this before. This is crazy. So we're in the hospital for a few days. And once again, when I say we, I mean Kristen, because I could have left anytime I wanted. Um, so finally, they show up. A couple of days later, they show up and they say, you're free to go. And I'm like, free to go where? And the nurse says, you're free to go home. And it's like, I don't know about you, but it's a weird feeling. When you feel like you've just left your parents' house, and then all of a sudden someone trusts you with an eternal soul. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, like, here, care for him. And I'm just like, I, I still forget to brush my teeth sometimes. I mean, I can't even care for myself. This is so crazy. And so, so I, what I, I go out, and I pull the car up, and we, we've latched the, the seat thing in it, and it takes like a degree to put these baby seats in the car. And it's like, it's got to be so tight, and it can't move, and it can't wiggle, and all this stuff. And it, so, anyways, I pull the car up, like, as close to the doors as I possibly can. And, like, I pull, and I run around, and, like, you know, I like I said, Chris, C-section, so, like, we wheel Kristen out in the thing, and, like, I'm afraid, honestly. I'm like, are we supposed to take the baby outside? Like, is this, is this right? Can we do this? And, like, someone's smoking, like, a mile away, and I'm like, hey, put that out! Like, you know, and he was born in July, and I was like, is it too hot? Should we put this blanket on him? Should we not? Is he dressed right? And like, is he in there right? And I'm like freaking out. This is all new to me. And, and so, it, so here's where he's born in, in this hospital in North Tulsa. We were living in Tulsa at the time. And, and we lived, or I'm sorry, South Tulsa. We lived on the northeast side of Tulsa. And we we're like, what were we thinking, picking a hospital so far away? And so, and so here's what I'm thinking. There's no way that I'm taking him out on the freeway. There's no way. You know, there's no way. we're. Do- and Kristen's like, we, we are taking the freeway. And I'm like, no, I, I'm in charge. We're taking the back roads all the way to our house. And we took the freeway. So <laughs> I'm going down the freeway, driving the best that I possibly can, like, 
I'm being the most careful that I've ever driven in my life. My hands are at 10 and 2. I've been told recently it's now 9 and 3. I don't know. Um, but, and, and I drive in on the road, and I look in the, in the mirror, and I'm like, what just happened? Like, this is so surreal. Like, we've produced a child, and now we're on the freeway driving down the road, and, and like, I'm topping out, like, at 45 miles an hour on the freeway. You know, I'm just like, don't jerk the wheel, don't do anything. You know, I, I'm totally careful. And, and so it's like, we have just, what just happened? I can't believe this just happened. And cars are flying by us. And I'm like, I'm like, people are driving like idiots. And like, slow down. And I'm yelling at cars and like they can hear me. Um, anybody else do that? Yeah, we need Jesus. So finally... Finally, I don't remember even how long it took us to get home. It seemed like it took a total of 24 hours. So finally we get home, and, and we get all settled in, and, and we get in our house. And um, cool thing is, with every one of our kids, um, Kristen's mom or my mom have come and stayed with us for, like, an amount of time. So, like, it relieves some pressure, um, but still, I'm freaking out. It's weird. So we get home, and... and Kristen's finally like, uh, well, here, you, you take him and put him in bed. And, and, and I'm like, are, are you sure? Like, we don't just, he don't just stay here with us the whole time? And he's like, yeah, put him in bed. So it's like, it's the first time that just the two of us are together, alone, dad and son. And, and I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And I'm like, hey, pal, uh, I'm glad you're home. Um, have a great night. Uh, I, I love you. Um, I'll see you in the morning, which was a rookie mistake because I should have said, like, see you in an hour. Um, and I remember going back to where Kristen was, and I literally, I sat down, just all this emotion, and, and, and I remember even saying this often, like days and weeks and probably even months after, and I, and I kind of catch myself still thinking this today, what just happened? What just happened? Like, we are responsible for a human being. Uh, and, and like, I remember saying often, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm, we're parents. We shouldn't be doing this. Like, I'm not responsible enough for myself. And, and so, and we've, we're just like, what just happened? And it's just like, it's so surreal. And it dawned on me that my life would never be the same. I've got, I've got this little dude, and I'm a dad, and this is crazy. This is unreal. And so from then on, um, we, we've had two more kids. And by, when I say we, I said Kristen. Um, we have our good days, and obviously we have our bad days. And every now and then, I'll, I'll still look back and say, what just happened? Like, you guys, um, t- you guys realize, you guys know time flies, Right? Especially, like, I remember being in grade school, elementary school, and, like, this school year's taking forever. I hate this. And then all of a sudden, like, I get older and, like, get in college or get to be adult, and I'm like, it's my birthday again? Are you sure? Because I just had one. You know, time flies, and you're just like, what just happened? What is going on? And, and I think a lot of times we have these situations in our lives where we look back and we see these things, and we're just like, what just, what just happened? I, I can't believe this just happened to me. 
I can't believe this. I can't believe this just happened to me. And so that kind of leads into what we're talking about today is I can't believe this just happened to me. And if you're taking notes, you can write that down. You don't have to, but you can. But I got a question for you today. How many of you guys would be honest enough to admit within the last week, how many of you have had a bad day? Anybody have had a bad day? Like if you didn't raise your hand, Jesus, we're glad you're here today. Um, Like we've all had bad days, right? We've all had bad days. You, You get out of your car or you go to your car in the morning to go to work or whatever, your tire's flat, right? And like you want to kick stuff and throw stuff. Um, or or you, you set your alarm for p.m. instead of a.m., right? Or uh, you go to the DMV. Like, that's a bad day. Um, can I get an amen? Okay, just check. So I would be willing to guess that there are a lot of people here today, a lot of people here this morning that are in this room that maybe you feel frustrated or you feel confused, and maybe you just feel like you're about to give up. And, and how do we deal with that? And if we're honest, there, there are people, there are those of us here today, and we're saying, um, I, I can't believe this is happening to me. I, I, I've just got to get some relief soon. Because if not, I'm about to go under. I'm about to lose it. So if that's you, you aren't weird. You are a normal human being. So let's look at the book of of Acts um, chapter 16. We're going to talk about a guy today that is a hero. And the reason that we call him a hero, uh, a reason that we call these people in the Bible heroes, uh, is basically because they overcame something. They overcame something. And, and they overcame a lot of, I can't believe this is happening to me, circumstances. Right? And so we're talking about a guy called the Apostle Paul today. And if you know the story of Paul, you know this guy went through a lot of overwhelming, I can't believe this is happening to me, circumstances. And we're going to start reading in um, verse 9. And what's happening here is, uh, to set this up just a little bit, Paul, he's traveling, and he's traveling with Silas and and other people, and he's traveling. And and here's what happens in verse 9. It says this, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A, A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul... Uh, had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. To them. And, and here's what I do. Sometimes I leave, read chunks of scriptures and then I stop and talk about it. So that's what we're doing this morning. So hold your place in your Bibles. Um, so I think that every one of us could agree that at this point that God had a vision for Paul. He had a vision for him. Um, God had a vision for Paul's life. And the cool thing is that like Paul, God has a vision for our lives. He's got a great vision for our lives. And and God's vision for your life is better than the vision that you have for your life. God's vision for your life is better than the vision that you have for your life. And, And God's vision is always better. But sometimes the path that we have to take from point A to point B may not be the path that we would have chosen. That may not be it. And so Paul gets to this place, Philippi, and things are going great. Things are going good. So what he does is he goes down to the river and uh, at, for, at a place of prayer. And the Bible says there's this woman there named Lydia who was a dealer in purple cloth. Now, 
anyone who deals in purple cloth back then was loaded, was rich. Like that was a big deal. You deal in purple cloth. And the Bible was basically saying that Lydia was like bling, bling, ka-ching, ka-ching, right? Like she was loaded. Everyone's like pulling up in their old beat up used car and she's pulling up with her Escalade with the spinners and the leather seats and the sound system and the bass is thumping because she's all about that bass, not the treble. So the bass says that she opened her heart and she heard the message of the gospel and she received Christ on that day. Yeah. And if you remember Paul and his crew and they're traveling and she receives Christ and Lydia says, all of you guys are staying at my house. Evidently, she's got a big house. And so everything at this point is going really good for Paul. And then all of a sudden, the wheels start falling off. Um, so if we go to verse 16, it says, um, as, as we're going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. We would think that that's a good thing, right? This girl's demon-possessed, and she's following these guys around, saying, These guys are going to tell you about Jesus. They're going to tell you about the way of the Lord. And and we would think that this was a good thing. Um, But this girl was demon-possessed, and she was trying to get them to respond to her because demons always lie. Demons always, they can't even tell the truth. Demons always lie. So Paul tries his best to ignore her. But verse 18 says this, "And, And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed. Pause right there. What annoys you? What annoys you? I'm, I'm, if, I, if I hear one more time, somebody is losing some teeth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, parents, you're driving down the road and you're in the back, trying to sweep, swing. You know what I'm you, Don't you say you don't. Anyways, what is it that annoys you? Like, when you're walking down the sidewalk and you step on someone's gum that they spit, oh, I want to punch a light pole. Like, it's not good. Or you get behind the lady at the grocery store with the stack of coupons. If that's you, you need Jesus. Or the people, like, I'm like, I will give you $5. Like, just move on, you know. Or, or the people, this drives me insanely crazy. The people that get in the 20 items or less line with more than 20 items. Like, I will stand next to you and count the items in your cart. And I'll call you out this lady, manager, and like, so, I'm good. So, how many of you agree that when we get annoyed, we don't make the best decisions, right? We don't, no one has ever said, I make the most excellent decisions when I'm angry. I redecorated my house, put holes all on the wall. Don't you love it? It's fantastic. And so, like, we get annoyed, and we typically do not make the best decisions when we're angry, when we're annoyed. And so keep that in mind because the Bible says that Paul got annoyed. Check this verse out, verse 18. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now, I don't know if that works or not. You may want to try that on your kids this afternoon. 
in the name of Jesus, sit down. Like, it's worth a try. Um, So at this point in the story, we're thinking, problem solved, demons out, things are good, the demons out of the annoying girl. Um, But then, even more, the wheels continue to fall off. Watch this, verse 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone because they made money on her, she was demon-possessed, and she was a fortune teller. They, they, they saw that her, their hope of gain, making money, was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the ru- rulers. Everyone say, seized and dragged. They were seized and dragged. I don't know about you, but that's not a good day. That's not a good day. That's not something to write like on your to-do list. Uh, brush my hair, brush my teeth, get seized and dragged. You know, that's not something that I plan on doing. Uh, so moving on to verse 20. And when they had brought them in, to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they, they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans uh, to accept or practice. So not only are they seized and dragged, but now they're lied about. Someone's accusing them. Ha- have you ever had anyone lie about you? No, not in church. Uh, it, uh, it does not feel good. It doesn't feel good. These guys are getting lied about and then falsely accused, and then it gets worse. Moving on, verse 22, it said, The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having uh, received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with stocks. They put chains on them. And so here's the deal. Not only are you being seized and dragged and lied about and accused and beaten, but now you're put in chains and you're stuck there in the prison. And then verse 25 starts out and it says, about midnight. Could we agree that this was a bad day. They're having a bad day. Like this was a little bit worse than the flat tire in the morning. Like this is a little bit worse than getting behind the school bus on the way to work. Like, or, or like students, this is a little bit worse than no wi- Wi-Fi. You know, like hashtag worst day ever. Like this is not a good day. So some of you, you're right there. Like you feel like your circumstances have closed in on you and you feel like you're trapped. I can't believe this is happening to me. You feel like, like I am never going to get out of this situation that I'm in. Maybe you got married, and before too long, you noticed you and your spouse started drifting apart. Maybe you are a healthy person. You work out, and you eat weird foods that... I don't get it. Like, I want hamburgers. Like, gluten-free. I don't even know what gluten is. Um, you're, You're healthy. You're a healthy person. You eat well. You work out, all this kind of stuff. And and you go to the doctor, and the doctor calls you back, and they said, we need to talk to you. We found a lump, or we found a mass. And you go home saying, I can't believe this is happening to me. Maybe it's your job and that you thought was secure. Next thing you know, you're being called in to the office. 
I, I can't believe this is happening, you know. Whether it's something that you caused or maybe something that has happened, but you feel trapped and you don't see a way out. The light of the tunnel is just a train that just keeps hitting you, running you over every time. So here we've got Paul and Silas. They're having the worst day ever. I can't believe this is happening to me. So I just have a couple things that I want to share with you today dealing with this situation. Write this down. I want you to write this down. I want you to remember it, tweet it, whatever it is you got to do. But it says this, freedom from my circumstances begins when I focus on Jesus. Freedom from my circumstances begins when I focus on Jesus. Now, I know, I know that sounds simple. It sounds too good to be true. It's not that easy, Jeremy. I know that sounds simple, but it, it, like, I, I want you to just kind of stay with me, hang with me for a second. We're going to break this down. My question for everyone here today is, how many of us have made our bad circumstances better by focusing on them? Uh, if we focus on our problems, they only get bigger, right? And if we focus on Jesus, our problems get smaller. Huh, imagine that. I'm not saying like, I, I, I promise you, I'm not saying they'll magically just disappear. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but nobody has made their circumstances better because they obsessed about how bad things are. People that focus on their circumstances are victims. People that focus on Christ walk in victory. I like the victory. Um, I, I like to tell Kristen, like, when we're having a bad day, you've got the victory. And she's like, shut up. <laughs> so the difference between the victim and the victor mentality is who or what we choose to focus on. Right? How would we know like, if Jesus was a healer, if we never were put in situations where we had to be healed? How would we know that Jesus is our comforter if we were never in situations where we needed comfort? How would we know that he was our provider if we were never put in situations where we needed his provisions? How would we know that he was our savior if we didn't understand our need to be saved? Freedom from our circumstances begins when we focus on Jesus. So back to our scripture, verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. When I first read this, I was thinking, hold up. Seized, dragged, stripped, accused, lied about, flogged, ankle chains, praying and singing. Something doesn't fit here. Something doesn't add up. I mean, they, they just got the mess beat out of them. And the Bible says that they were praying, which I understand. Like, dear God, please get me out of this. I think we've all prayed that prayer. But the Bible says they were singing songs. They were worshiping in the middle of unbelievable circumstances. Paul and Silas chose not to worry, but to worship. When people get in the middle of circumstances that seem overwhelming, we can choose to worry or we can choose to worship. Worship is when we understand how small we are compared to how big God is. I don't control anything, but he controls everything. 
Worship is when we realize the things over my head are under his feet. He's still Lord. He's still God. He's still king. And he still reigns no matter what I'm going through. The Bible says that Paul and Silas began praying and worshiping, and the other prisoners were listening. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ in this room, God has called you to worship. He's called you to worship. Paul and Silas said, I don't care if we're the only two cats in this jail, we are going to sing. Like, and, and here's what's crazy. They weren't praising him because things were good. Any fool can praise God when things are good. But can you praise him when you've been seized, when you've been dragged, when you've been lied about, when you've been accused, when you've been beaten, when you've been put in jail? That's a little bit tougher. Now, what, 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 is, it, what is it that gets our attention? Because everyone in the room has something that gets your attention. I remember the first time my wife got my attention. Um, now, we kind of grew up around each other. And, and the first time we met, she was nine and I was 12. And she didn't really get my attention uh, until I was in college. And like we were both grow, more grown up at that time. And, and, but today, she still gets my attention. I'm like, girl, you've been working out? Mm. G- girl, are you Jewish? Because you was really hot. <laughs> right? Like, everybody has something that gets your attention. Like, worship gets God's attention. Right? And, and here's what some people argue. Some people will argue this. Um, I'm a child of God. I've always got God's attention. He knows the number of hairs on my head. I'm with you. I agree completely and totally with you. But worship, it does something to the heart of our Heavenly Father. When Jesus was on earth, what was the most common reference that he used for God? Father. It was Father. And being a father, I'm, I'm learning, being a father helps you learn things about our Heavenly Father. I don't know about you, but it, it does for me. It helps me learn things about our, our Heavenly Father. Um, all these things that I never understood. For example, the other night I was just home and, and uh, Evie was just off playing and all of a sudden she stopped what she was doing and she came over and she just crawled up on me, gave me a big old hug and a kiss and just said, Daddy, I love you. And then she went back to doing what she was doing. And I was like, oh, oh wait, hold up. What do you want? Like, what do you want? Because you can have it. <laughs> you want a pink Mustang? You get a pink Mustang. You know what I'm saying? Like, she can have whatever she wants. And some of you are like, she's manipulating you. It works. <laughs> right, dads? Right? Um, <clears throat> but something, something moved my heart. And I realized that if that's what my earthly daughter can do for my heart, how much more does worship move the heart of our Heavenly Father? Watch this, verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Obviously, I don't, I don't know this for sure, but you could imagine God in heaven, and, I, and I'm just picturing this in my mind, and this is how I play it out. And you may say, well, you're warped, and I say, you're probably right. And so 
um, God is in heaven and, and he's looking down over his children and then he sees Paul and Silas over here and they just got beat and put in prison and all this stuff. And, and then all of a sudden, God starts hearing some singing. And he looks at Paul and Silas and, and like they've still got blood on them from, from the beating and they're bruised up and they're chained and they're in, in prison. And, and God's like, oh, these guys are worshiping me? Gabriel, crank up the earthquake machine. <laughs> Do this. Like the Bible says that God sent in an earthquake and like he didn't send a dove to land on their shoulder and tell them everything's going to be okay. God didn't write on their Facebook wall, like he didn't put out an encouraging tweet, God sent an earthquake. Whoever been, go ahead and come back up. Get ready. Um, uh, Here's my question. What do you, what do you know that could send an earthquake? What do you know that could send an earthquake? You don't know anybody that could send an earthquake. You don't know anybody that can shake up your situation. I want God to send an earthquake. If that's you and that's me, I mean, we need to put our hands up in the air and praise him and watch what he can do with our circumstances. Not only can he send an earthquake, but watch this. The Bible says this, and he immediately, all the doors were opened and everybody's bonds were unfastened. All the prison doors came open, and everyone's chains came loose. Hold up. Who were the only two singing? Paul and Silas. Who got set free? Everybody. God will set other people free because of your worship. Maybe there's a spouse here today. Your family's falling apart, and you don't know how to solve the problem. You'll probably never figure it out. But you know what you can do for your family? You can say, this family today, we will focus on God. And and the problems that I can't solve, he can. You start putting your focus on Jesus because he's greater than the problems that you're going through. And just watch what he does with your family. Maybe there's a, a single mom in here today. You're going through unbelievable circumstances. That joker left you. I can't even begin to know what single moms go through. But what if you stop focusing on how bad he is and start focusing on how good God is? Your kids need to see a mom that loves Jesus instead of a mom that is bitter about the man who walked out. Easier said than done, I know. I'm convinced that God isn't done with this group of people right here. I'm completely convinced of that. They may think you're weird when you worship him at school. They may think you're weird when you worship him at work. They may think you're weird when you bow your head and say a blessing, but other people can get set free by the way that you worship. He's greater than your past. He's greater than your divorce. He's greater than your cancer. He's greater than anything that you are going through today. Right now is a great time to stick around and see what the Lord may want to do in your heart. I know there there are many ways to worship. 
But we're going to try, try the Paul and Silas approach today. And, and I'm going to... Um, I'm going to ask the band to play that, that Revelation song again, and I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And when we start singing, I'm going to ask that you just throw your hands up in the air and worship our God with all of your heart. And maybe, just maybe, those chains that are holding you back, those things that are holding you down will begin to fall off.